In this episode of Punk Rock Business School, we're going to talk to my favorite mountain bike YouTuber, Tony De Silva, a.k.a. The Outsider MTB. We're going to hear all about how he went from pro skateboarder to the corporate world to becoming a full-time YouTuber. That's coming up and more. Stick around. everybody, Danny here. Welcome back to another episode of Punk Rock Business School. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. I am loving where this shift in the podcast and now the YouTube channel is taking me. I'm interviewing a bunch of great guests like today. Tony De Silva, The Outsider MTB. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. And, uh, you know, if you've known me for a while, you know, I used to cycle a lot. And last year I got back into mountain biking and now I'm road cycling as well. And Tony is my favorite mountain bike YouTube channel. So, and it just so happens he's local here and, uh, I reached out to him and he jumped on for a call and I felt that the episode didn't disappoint. Now, I do want to apologize because Tony and I were both bike geeks and it was hard to not go down the conversation train of talking a little bit about the bike world and stuff, but I tried to edit a lot of that stuff out. But that said, you may also walk away not only with some cool business advice, especially for any aspiring YouTubers out there, but also you might get inspired to hop on a mountain bike or any bike and go explore. And by all means, you're going to want to check out one of Tony's cool mountain bike videos. They're really, really well done. So that's what's coming up. I've been interviewing a bunch of great guests. I've got some restaurant owners coming up. I've got, I did an interview with my good friend, Timbo Reed from Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. We had a great conversation all about podcasting. And we went really deep into how to do a podcast for just about any type of small business. So you're not going to want to miss that. Got a bunch of great episodes coming up. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do that now. Or if you like to listen to these in the podcast world, make, you know, feel free to go over to iTunes. Give me a nice review and a rating if you like the show. It's much appreciated. And I'm behind the scenes working hard working on a lot of new courses and some new coaching programs that I'll be rolling out soon to help you guys and help your business grow in 2021. My personally, my business is doing really, really good right now. And uh, man, all week long, I've been working on a new program where uh, we are potentially offering uh, music lessons through kind of a corporate enrichment, corporate wellness program. And I've got the first few students getting started this week. That could turn into a whole new income stream. So going to do it with one corporation here that's local to us as kind of a proof of concept, then hopefully be rolling that out to other companies in the area. Could be really cool. We could potentially double uh, our business from something like that. Um, which would be incredible. So really exciting, working on all kinds of stuff like that. But that's it. Let's get into today's episode with Tony De Silva, aka The Outsider MTV. I'll talk to you on the other side. All right, Tony De Silva, also known to uh, thousands of us as Tony The Outsider. Welcome to Punk Rock Business School, man. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me, Danny. Appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Here. It looks like we might uh, luck out Saturday and uh, have you know no rain so we can do the group ride. That'd be great. Yeah, so it's socially distanced group ride in uh, Fullerton. It's gonna rain tomorrow. It's gonna be muddy, I think, but I think we're gonna be able to, I'm tired of, of postponing this th these group yeah. rides. We're getting unlucky with them. So I think yeah. Saturday we're good to go. Awesome. And uh, how are you feeling? I know you uh, are coming off a large crash. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually all right. It took me a couple of weeks. Uh, I was, it was the worst crash of my life. I got knocked out. 
Um, I've never had that experience before. <laughs> and so it was kind of traumatizing. But the yeah, weirdest part sure. about it is uh, I, I bruised ribs or fractured a rib. I'm not really sure what, but that's what kept me off the bike for so long. I think I just got my first bike ride back, official real trail ride uh, this past week in Laguna. And it still was hurting a little bit, but I'm able to ride, just take it easy. But yeah, like it's weird how certain parts of your body just take like, you don't, you don't need a cast for your ribs, but they need time. Yeah. I guess that's the but anyway, you know, you're one of my absolute favorite mountain bike YouTubers and, and favorite YouTube channels in general. And uh, we're definitely going to talk a lot about uh, YouTube as uh, we get into it. But you have a really interesting backstory, uh, you know, of what you used to do and then kind of your corporate life and then what you're doing now. So Give us the, you know, give us the 10, 10 cent uh, tour. Yeah, it's funny when before I, we talked this a little bit before we went live about this, I'm like, how far back do you want me to go? I mean, <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll give you the short, long story if that makes any sense. Sure. I'll zip through some things. So I grew up, uh, I've been a lifelong skateboarder since I was 12 years old. I started skating. I'm still active in skating, but not like I was. I've been skating for, I don't even know how old I am now, 20 something years. But uh, I grew up in a skateboard park. My mother opened up as a teenager and uh, that's became my passion. I ended up being lucky enough after that to get sponsored and had a bit of a career in skateboarding. So I, I had the sponsors. I grew up in Connecticut. Winters were harsh and my dream was always to come to California. So basically I had the opportunity to do that. It got picked up by two vans, some of my favorite skateboarders back in the nineties, all in those vans. And I was like thrown into this different lifestyle and uh, we had to learn quick. So uh, I had a choice to go to school, go back, go to college or give this life a shot. So I told myself, Let's do this and then win. And, you know, this is not something you could do forever. When this is over, do the college thing. And, you know, that's easier said than done, obviously. <laughs> you know, when you're 18, 19 years old, uh, life just seems so, you know, I'll just do this, this, and this. And then, you know, this road will leave. No, it doesn't work like that. But um, long story short, uh, skateboard lifestyle. I traveled the world. I got, I had sponsors. I, I was in the magazines and the video parts. So my only job basically was to, keep uh, progressing on a skateboard skill wise and uh, no nine to fives, just produce content for them back in the days. This was before social media, late nineties. So magazines and video parts were the main, the main go-tos for, for brands. And that's what your job was. So uh, my lifestyle, let's say for a good long time, there was a very extremely unstructured partying, you know, being in a van, flying around, taking things for granted. <laughs> so uh, that's was that's what the weird part was. And I, I wrote an article actually about this. It's uh, not many people know what happens to people that have short-term careers, whether it be skateboarding, whether it be uh, any sports, you know, like football, anything that you're almost pro, you are pro. And then you have an injury. And that's what happened to me. I was at a contest, tore all the ligaments in my, my left foot. And I was out of skating for six to eight months. And then when I came back, uh, I was like starting over, you know, I hadn't skated in that long. My muscles were weak and I missed a video part from my sponsor and I could just see the writing on the wall in California. I was just like, Hey, I had a good run. Maybe this is I'm 24. And, uh, I don't know if this is going to be the road for me. I, I don't know if the longevity is going to work out. So, uh, I, I got sick of the party lifestyle a little bit too much. And I flew back home one-way ticket. And I was just like, I got to figure out my next life, my next, my next direction, my next career or a career in general. So uh, like I said before, this is uh, easier said than done. I got back home. I fell back into the party lifestyle and uh, took me a few years to gather my, my crap together and uh, ended up going back to school. And one of the things I always try to do was stick with things that I'm passionate about. And that was skateboarding. And that led me to a, a bit of a career in that. And so I tried to find the next thing. And I always had been a writer. I always wrote in journals. So uh, I jumped back into school, had part-time jobs, and then uh, eventually narrowed in on journalism and uh, got a journalism degree. And this is kind of like 2008 to 10 when social media, Twitter's popping up. Yeah. People are using um, those outlets for or not understanding them yet. A lot of people, uh, they're using, they're, th they're saying, making fun of them saying, you know, people are just posting pictures of food and this and that, where <laughs> in that time, I'm a big video game guy. So I started trying to get an internship at MTV and uh, writing video game reviews. So I started networking on Twitter 
and working and seeing what other people were doing on, in the freelance world and started to get jobs writing for video game uh, reviews and things like that. So I feel like that was my introduction into like transitioning from journalism into seeing what the new media is and social media yeah. and what that where that was going when a lot of people were like, it's a fad. And it's crazy to think that that was not that long ago, but <laughs> it, it wasn't. Uh, so basically I'm in Connecticut there. I'm working a job I'm not really happy with. And I was like, hey, uh, I have all these contacts in the skateboard world. I have a college degree. I have a skateboard uh, experience that you can't buy in college. So right, I, right. I reached out to somebody at uh, Soul Technology who's a VP. His name is Don Brown. He, uh, it's sold technology for those that aren't familiar is Etnies, America, S shoes, 32 snowboarding. And uh, I was just pitched him. I was like, Hey man, just what I said to you, like, this is something unique. I think in the skate industry, a lot of people in the skateboard world just transition from being a sponsored rider to team management and they just jump right in and they don't have that professional kind of college background. Not that you need that, but it's helpful. Right. So uh, I moved it back. I sold everything in my apartment, drove the car out and I did this, crazy thing that people talk about. And uh, six months later, I found myself working at uh, Soul Technology and so running the social media for America Footwear. That's, I guess that's a bit of a longer short story than that. Yeah, it's tough. hard to fit it all in. Yeah, no, that's great. So, uh, you know, at, when did you start riding mountain bikes? And, and when did you yeah. start thinking about doing just, more than just riding for fun? I skipped over that part, actually. Uh, in Connecticut, I worked at an outdoor store. My friend uh, was an avid mountain biker. This is long, long time ago. This was, this was more of an introduction. I was dabbling in it. And the Connecticut trails are a bit different. I liked it, but I wasn't like sold on it. I mean, yeah. When I moved out here, I started looking into mountain biking and uh, the trails out here were insane. Like they're 45 minute climb up and then you have this huge descent down. And I started to feel like as I got older, it was uh, mountain biking when I was starting to get out there was it was it's inserting this adrenaline rush and this fun that I used to have on skateboarding where I used to jump down trails, jump down stairs and handrails and this, this like kind of almost <laughs> like a natural drug, right? So I, my body isn't cool with jumping down 12 stairs anymore, but I guess blasting down a rock garden is, is on a bike is, is okay. But that's what kind of sold it on me. Like that being in nature, when you're on a mountain bike, you're really forced to be present. I mean, you're in this beautiful place. Most of the time it takes you these. Yeah views these these just you know what i mean these places that you don't normally see if you're not on a bike and uh, that's what initially sold it on me was just the beauty and, the, and i'm not good at meditation so that's a forced meditation for me being on that bike and then that adrenaline rush and that's the skill progression is kind of a bonus from there and so i started to just do it more and more you know a lot of people started going to the skate park and i'd go to mountain biking and i guess uh unconsciously my my passion was switching from skating to mountain biking in that realm as i started to work yeah. at that job yeah it's interesting uh a lot of people they get into mountain biking because they have a friend you mm -hmm. know or they know somebody who's like yeah i do this thing and you're like eh, i don't know about that i was always into cycling ever since i was like 12 13 years old i uh i, I got a road bike way back then i grew up in chicago not the mm -hmm. greatest you know weather for year-round cycling but one of my early memories uh, of falling in love with cycling was Back then, Bicycling Magazine was both mostly about like touring. You know, the, the cover was always a photo of some somebody on a road bike and it was filled. The panniers were loaded up and everything. And it just looked like so romantic, you know, to be yeah. like, oh, that's what I do. I just disappear on a bicycle forever. And I ended up working at bike shops for mm. years uh, through high school. You know, I worked at a Schwinn bike shop and just wrenching on a bicycle all day. It was the, the greatest job. Yeah. Ever. I mean, you didn't get paid anything back then. <laughs> a little different than like a high-end, you know, mountain bike mechanic now. Uh, but it, it's all—it's interesting. It's always been a part of my life like that. And then, I, you know, I'd go away from it for a long time. But the way I got into mountain biking was, you know, I was living in Maryland. I was working for a guitar center. They were, had moved me around to open different guitar centers. And a guy came in, he bought a drum set. And I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, I'm a rep for Jameis Bicycles. And I had just started to kind of pay attention a little bit to mountain bikes. He's like, I'll take you for a bike ride. And I, you know, I didn't know Maryland even had like mountain bike trails or anything. Yeah. And, you know, we go to his house, open the garage and it's just like, you know, this slew of bikes and in it, that kind of rekindled my thing. And I went out for a ride with him and I was like, holy cow, 
this is yeah. this is intense this is insane i mean i almost puked for sure even on those little climbs <laughs> out there like i was not in uh, the former physical fitness but that was the start of it and i started riding yeah. and riding and i really started training in cycling when i lived in maryland and had that goal of like all right i'm gonna you know get a, i got a road bike and i was riding on the road and i'm gonna do a, my first mountain bike race and of course i'm getting moved all around the country at the time too which made it difficult so i actually didn't do a mountain bike race until i moved back to california but wow. i was basically i got really hardcore into you know cross-country racing this would have been nice. i was done by this by 2001 or two though this is <laughs> this is years and years ago but uh it, it it's so often like somebody took you riding one time then like that's oh yeah that's that, the thing that introduction is uh, it's like it takes somebody to to kind of guide you in and host you into <clears throat> i think something like this because it seems like from afar it seems like like getting into climbing or something like that to me right now i have the same mm -hmm. feeling like how do i do what, what shoes what where do i go all these questions these little questions that add up into this big thing of like mm, someday but if you have someone just physically take you like, no, this is the way, follow me. Um, it just makes it so much easier. And then you kind of know all those questions get answered. Uh, same thing for me. I had someone kind of like, here's a rental bike. Come with me tomorrow. Meet me here and I'll show you. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's it works it, that way. Um, part of your story that you were talking about, um, you know, being on tour skating and the lifestyle. And, and, and it, unless you've done that kind of thing, I think it's really hard, it, you know, for people to understand and uh, I have this conversation with people all the time that in a lot of ways, like the least stressful part of my life ever is when the band is on tour mm -hmm. because the lifestyle of, you know, we call it the pirate ship. When we're out on the tour bus, it's like, yeah, yeah you're living on a pirate ship, yeah. you know, and day to day responsibilities seem to just totally disappear. Yeah. Like your life is kind of planned. It's like, all right, there's an event. There's a, you know, you got sound check. Then there's the, the show. You know, you have a tour manager who's literally taking a piece of paper and putting it up in the bus saying, you need to be here at four mm -hmm. o'clock. Other than that, do whatever you want. Yeah. And here's $30 to eat on today. And you're like, cool, <laughs> that's all I need, man. That's it. And when you come home from that, like to try to get back into doing a regular job or going back to school or anything like that is so difficult. Yeah. Just the mindset. And until you've been out there, as lonely as it can be on the road at times, at the same time, it's like, there's like a freedom from that. So I, oh, I really sure. can relate to, you know, the challenge of, uh, of making that transition. In yeah. It's interesting because like you said that, and I was like, oh, you're kind of summing it up, but like, I remember, you know, it's kind of almost as if life kind of stands still on the outside, your other, your other life is happening, but it's just on pause and you're just in this yeah. little bubble. Yeah. Like you said, like you get a per diem for how many, much money a day <laughs> you eat, you get your beers. And then all you have to do is play music or skate or, or do whatever you do, which you love to do anyway. And it's like, this right, is real. Right. This is real. And it, yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was like, when I did that, I would go back to the skate house I lived in. And that was just, that was just my life. Like being on a van or my apartment it all felt the same so yeah i want to say like going back into that normal world was for some people i'm not complaining but if for me yeah. i had no structure at all so i think when i went to college it was not only the education that helped me but just the structure of having to be somewhere and do these things and do you know get get my grades and do these things that i needed to do that people took for granted like oh you just go do your homework well i didn't have ever have to do things like that before so it's those little things that once i had the ball rolling it switches your brain chemistry a little bit yeah yeah um you know so you get started mountain biking when did you start thinking about throwing the camera on and um so this youtube thing yeah it's actually it feels like i've been doing it a long time but it's we're just coming up on i think two and a half years the channel's been around but i started to really get into when i started really getting into mountain biking i do what almost everybody does is you look for pointers and how to do this or what bike is good. So you, I got into the YouTube uh, rabbit hole and started to follow some channels. And at the same time, I came across uh, this Rilo camera, which the Rilo sent us yeah, to, yeah. to uh, use for my work. Like, Hey, you could use skating for this. So nobody was using it. I used it. So I started making these little weird videos for my wife and for my dog Pip, where I would like go out and film my rides, and then I would talk to them and make them watch these ter terrible clips. Oh, I'm at sure night. she loved it. I'm sure she was so oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but like I'm talking to the dog, I'm barking, whatever. I'm doing these stupid things. And then finally she's like, you know, like, I can't watch this anymore. You have to do something. <laughs> something like that happened where um, I was just kind of she, she like pushed into this, like, well, why not try it? So I, I had, I started it with this feeling of, cause I moved here from California. So I was like, what I wish somebody had done when I moved here is have this visual aid of, of showing the trails off in these trail guides. Yes. So I felt like I was like, it came upon this idea and I was like, I think this would be super useful. And I didn't start it with any intention of, of gaining thousands of millions or whatever, having this YouTube channel. I just did it because I thought somebody would want to check it out and it, it would be helpful. And those things kind of like, once people grabbed on or was it was shown to them, they passed it around and people that were new to riding or had even been here for years, didn't know where these trails were. And it started to open up a community that, uh, happened slowly at first but mm -hmm. then picked up pretty good so that i think that was the that's the short story of the channel coming into fruition yeah. i guess i remember specifically kind of how i found your channel and it's you know exactly what you were saying you know back when i was mountain biking out here in california i lived in calabasas for a while and then back down here in orange county you know you just got this book from the bike shop mm -hmm. that was like orange county mountain bike trails you know and yeah, that was I think about I had that. It. it really wasn't this YouTube presence and all those things. And, uh, you know, so you kind of had to like take a little map with you <laughs> or something yeah. and go out on the trail. And I found myself basically, you know, kind of a different mindset too back then. Again, I was racing cross country. So most of it was fitness based, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I'm going to go out. How many climbs can I do on this ride? And right. it really wasn't so much about like, I, I did love the, just being in the dirt and the nature part of it quite a bit. But when I decided to get back into mountain biking, you know, which was really just a couple of years ago, you know, it's like I bought a cheap bike off of eBay, you know, used, used bike and just kind of went to my old trails that I, you know, I used to live right by Aliso Woods down there mm. and just kind of went down there and rode around a little bit, but I was still just sort of riding like these basic things. It was still more of like, I'm going to get out. There's going to be some fitness and stuff. And I was on tour on the tour bus with nothing to do. And I'm like on YouTube eh. and I, I don't know what I typed in, but I found one of your trail guides and I instantly connected to it. It's exactly what you were saying, because it was like, I was in that mode of wanting to get back into riding. You were doing trail guides of trail systems that I have been to in the past, but there's all, there was so much more out there than I knew of. Because yeah. I didn't have YouTube back then. I just had the little trail map. Mm -hmm. And I was just like instantly hooked. So, you know, I'd be laying in my bunk every night. <laughs> that sounds weird. But you know, <laughs> laying in my bunk watching you, your YouTube videos. And I must have gone from discovering your channel to like I binge watched probably every video on that one tour. And then got up to the point where I was waiting for the new video oh, awesome. to come out. And, you know, it's not like there aren't a lot of other mountain bike channels right or, or cycling channels you know to watch but what connected me so much and I'm, I'm sure that now that i know a little bit more of your backstory too you know you, you're you're coming at it also from the standpoint of a storyteller and a writer and you know some social media marketing background mm -hmm. but so many of the channels are just somebody riding yeah it's, it's cool for a minute you know like yeah. the channels that i also watch along with yours like you know, follow camp Friday is amazing footage with insane level riders. Right. But sometimes, honestly, I don't make it through the whole video sometimes yeah. because yeah. it's just point of view mountain biking with, with no real context. Right. I think that uh, that's something else that's interesting along through this channel. I've learned so much about transitioning the way I write and storytell or do or develop a video or an article or a piece you know, or you we structure it, uh, pushing that into uh, videos. Because when I started, a trail guide in itself, that's the story, right? Me talking about it and things like that, adding my personality. And that's one thing. But when uh, I got to the point where I almost did almost every trail guide in Southern California, and I need to <laughs> kind of move on. And I started figuring out, I had this kind of like after a year, like figuring out where, what, and how, what I'm, I'm going to keep this going. And I was like, well, 
I started thinking about it and exactly what you kind of said was about creating stories that are driven through my life, through my riding, through my skill progression. Sure, trail guides are a part of that, but uh, you know, I think I just want people to come along with in, in my journey and hopefully that's enough. And the better I get at this, the, the better the channel will do. So I, I just kind of like put my energy into my own school of trying to watch, now I'm watching videos on editing and yeah, um, things like that, and developing uh, concepts and and and, tr and you know camera not tricks but bit different angles. Where before I was just like turn on the camera, horrible audio, no color correcting, you know, but like all those little subtleties. Even though people don't talk about them, I feel like are unconsciously there. Like you know the difference between watching a video on YouTube that has been taken care of and somebody that just uploaded it and put some clips up. You know, like. And you, you said, Daniel, you're talking about Nate Hills, the follow cam Friday. Exactly. I think he's got this, he's the, like the first one to do that POV thing. But uh, I think it's an acquired taste. You kind of have to be a core rider or someone that like understands riding to really sink your teeth in, I think, to finish those videos a lot of the time. Right. But right. Um, I, I definitely know what you mean about the telling of the story. And that's something I think I'm trying to, to do and uh, appreciate yeah. that you noticed that to separate myself from um, you know, the time that I put into these things, uh, I think hopefully you'll carry over into sure, that, sure. you know. I think, yeah, it's true. Oh, you know, if you look at just some of the bigger channels, you know, uh, you know, Seth or, you know, Seth Bike Hacks or mm -hmm. Single Track Sampler, um, you know, BKXC, a lot of those channels, I mean, it, it's really, I mean, Seth has an insane ability to tell a story oh yeah it's, he's the uh, master and, and, you know and alex too a single track sampler i think does an insane job uh, of telling a story and that's really what you're tuning in for i mean seth makes yeah. a video about anything yeah you know, and and you watch it rc cars anything <laughs> yeah you know i mean it's it, it's just yeah it's it's a great ability and i think that's really what sets you apart and you know some of these other guys apart from just yeah the just multitude of you know, I'm bombing down this trail yeah. with my camera. Cheers. I, I feel like I did have, it's interesting because I only started thinking about this this last year is that my marketing background and my, all that stuff, since I've taken the channel on and as we focus right now has totally helped. Do you know what I mean? Like before I switched brains and, and started thinking about the channel as a possible lifestyle and business, I never thought about marketing it. You know yeah. what I mean? But uh, the social media aspect, the digital marketing, the branding, all that stuff, when you take on a venture like this and you really take it seriously, I'm, I feel lucky to have that background I chose. And then jumping into this next passion project, it's just kind of like, pushed itself in, you know, like knowing the way the action sports industry works and the retail shops or getting a dabble into uh, when I was at Etnies, I was on the mountain bike side of things, got to talk and know some pros and know some people in the industry. So I kind of got a taste of how their brains work. And then now when I go and I'm able to do this YouTube stuff and I'm able to talk to both worlds, I feel like on a professional basis, I can speak yeah. with people in the industry. And then on the videos, just kind of let my life fly and be a vulnerable weirdo, you know? So it's kind of, I still, I feel like it's still this, like I'm still figuring it out, but sure. uh, in the last year or so that, that background has definitely come in to help in my, in my life right now. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, I remember watching the video, you know, I mean, obviously this year has been crazy. Things are nuts for everybody. You know, we've all had to, you know, I did a major pivot with the music school. You know, we switched everything to online and then we made a decision real early into that, that we weren't going to even go back to oh, do yeah? in person, except for mm -hmm. a few key things, you know, and those things are scary, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, I mean, I talk about these things on this show all the time. So people are probably sick of hearing it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when something like that happens, you can curl up in a ball or you can just kind of hope that things are going to go back to normal or then, you know, what's yep. going to happen or you make some kind of pivot and you just try to turn it into something really positive. Yeah. And I remember, you know, watching your video where you mentioned and, you know, right as, you know, March or April or something like that in the middle of COVID being laid off from the, mm -hmm. from Etnies and almost being forced like, okay, I guess I'm a full-time YouTuber now. Yep. Had you been thinking about eventually 
maybe getting to that point of making YouTube full time? Yeah. So not seriously though, yeah. I guess you could say it's like, it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing because now I look back on it and I don't really see it as a negative because I feel like this last year, as terrible as it was, mm -hmm. uh, it's not so bad considering right. what I've been doing. Uh, I, yeah, I looked at it like, okay, well, it was always in the back of my head to take the channel, try to do something with it full time. Uh, yeah. In April, I was laid off pandemic. All, you know, everybody's millions of people were. So yeah. I had, I was lucky enough. I feel like looking back, I had this project that I, and this, way of of be feeling productive still so at first for the first month it was just like oh it's cool i just have the channel i'm not just doing nothing i know that right now i'm not going to probably find a job there's billions of people getting laid off so i just jumped into that and i looked at that as my weekly job right took more time with it learned more and then um eventually i was just like you know what maybe i can do this so i started to fixate my brain on the next few months like how could how can i do that you know how do i uh potentially reach out to sponsors because as big as my channel kind of feels to me and is it's not one of the biggest channels or bigger channels sure so how do i go about doing that right how do i enter the big boys room without being a big boy and so i started to just write things down and figure out like ways of doing that and one of the things i came up with was um pitching sponsors and talking to them in a way where i'm going there but I'm not there yet. And you should join me on this journey now because there's gonna be a huge community that is already here and grows from here. And you get to be on the, the kind of the ground floor of where this channel is gonna go. You know, And there's something to say for that being a brand, being a part of a channel from, not even that it's early right now, but I feel like it's it's gonna be early if I keep going with the way sure, subscriber sure. base is growing. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a as far as branding goes, I think it'll be really helpful. So I was able, I was lucky enough to get in the door and, uh, and it was kind, kind of, of challenging time. I would imagine at the oh, same yeah. time though, to be looking for sponsors, you know, mm -hmm. when we're facing, you know, a, a tough economic time and an economic downturn, yeah. a lot of like the podcasting world, a lot of shows that I listen to, you know, all of a sudden the sponsor stuff just dried up yep. you know, amazingly. So you know, I'm sure you had that challenge to think about at the same time. Uh, it was exciting to see you getting some sponsors. You know, a couple of things that I had thought about, you know, talking to you about from the business standpoint, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, one thing I think is a really good, you know, um, you, you know, just kind of uh, teaching point to a certain extent is you know, when people are thinking about starting a YouTube channel or, you know, I, I did an interview with somebody yesterday who runs a website that's all about course creation, how to create courses and sell courses. And, and I do some of that type of work. And we talked a lot about the barrier that most people have is, well, I'm, I'm not like an expert. Yeah. Biker. I'm not an expert at this. And, you know, you're a good rider. But you're not like a pro racer guy. No There's guys out there that hit those trails, you know, at, you know, faster speeds and can oh, jump yeah. higher and everything like that, that can't build a following uh -huh. on YouTube. And I think that's something for people to really think about is that it does come back to so many of the things that we talked about is a, it's the personality you, you, you follow somebody, be, somebody's channel because of their personality. Uh -huh. And then it's the storytelling. Uh -huh. And I, and I think, you know, it, it, if people would think about that a little bit more, it, it opens those things up to so many other. Yeah. People. Yeah. I think when, so I had, I made a pitch deck, one of my sponsors for last year, I, which was static about was YT industries. Yeah. Started, started the channel on one of their bikes and I felt like I, this is my first choice and it worked out. But one of the things uh, I hit up the new president happened to just know each other's names from the industry, gave me a meeting and then he asked me to create a pitch deck, 11 slides. Um, for those that aren't familiar, I don't know. Pitch deck is basically like Airbnb startups. They create these really short wow factor stuff. Yeah. Bang, 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 main points. And one of the main points was like exactly what you're saying is that these pro riders and these pro skaters that I grew up in, uh, you look up to as mentors and these um, almost unattainable people that you're just like, oh, like a celebrity-ish kind of feel. And the, the, what I'm doing and what a lot of the YouTubers are doing is we're relatable. 
we're you, we're everybody, right? So if you're really want to hit both sides of the coin, you're going to have the pros and you're going to have a budget and a marketing plan for also the people that are showcasing your bikes and are talking to the people and are the people, right? So I'm able to speak to people on a level that I don't have an insane amount. Of, I haven't been mountain biking my whole life. I'm not a pro rider. I've learned a lot and I progressed a hell lot. I'm riding better than I ever have, but there's no way I'm going to enter a a DH race at the world cup or anything <laughs> like that, you know, I'm 40 in my forties. So um, it, it is definitely that factor that I think a lot of the brands, whether they're going to come around right now in all aspects yeah. or, or later, they're going to be forced to have to look at YouTube. And it's weird because I, we have a Slack group with all the main channels. It's kind of the secret little oh. Slack where we, we help each other. We show thumbnails, we do experiences and it's really cool. Cause you learn a lot in there. And one of the things that we're main, we're talking about right now is this exact thing is that this year was tough. There's a lot of people in that group that did lose their sponsors this year. Like you said, I was lucky enough to gain one, which is insane. If you think about it, like, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, I just found a way in got lucky, but this is definitely one of those years where people are feeling like, their budgets are crunched and the brands are being forced to point to what they want to focus on. And a lot of them, just because they don't know anything different, it's too scary to switch up, right? Their switch up at marketing plan and try something new in this time just feels too scary. So they're just sticking to paying and doing the things they normally do, advertising a pink bike, paying the pros. And a lot of people are, are not using any excess budget right now to um, go outside the mainstream what they normally do. At the other end of the stick too, biking has been insane this year. There's so right. many new riders with COVID that yeah. they don't even have enough bikes. So they're just kind of like, I feel like a lot of brands are just on hold. Like, whoa, we need to figure out what's going on. As you were talking about the Slack group and these other <clears throat> channels and things like that, maybe you could touch a little bit more, you know, in the YouTube monetization, because I think people that aren't as familiar with it primarily think ad revenue. Right. I got to build a channel with a ton of subscribers and then get X amount of plays and it's all going to be about ad revenue. And there's, you know, all these other creative ways that people monetize channels. And maybe you can kind of touch base on that. Yeah. And also some of these bigger channels that you know a little bit about without, you know, disclosing anything we wouldn't want out there, you know, kind of how it breaks down is the ad revenue element kind of becoming less and less of an mm -hmm. issue. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're to start with this one. Um, the ad revenue, you think from the beginning, you think that's the thing you chase. I'm gonna get a thousand subscribers. That's when you can monetize and then I'll be making some money. It doesn't work like that at all. Like you learn pretty quickly. Like I say, once I get a thousand subscribers, when you have a thousand and you have a normal weekly thing, I was doing pretty good with views. I would think I was getting like a hundred dollars a month, you know, and I'll be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like paying the phone bill, uh, but you're, you're putting in so much time into these videos. You're not looking for that that monthly stipend, but as the channel grew uh, and where I'm at right now, the ad revenue is a part of it, but it's it's not enough anywhere near to make a living off of. And not that I'm even really right now making like a decent living. I'm paying the bills, kind of. I'm not big enough to where that that the sponsors come in and that's helpful too. So basically, you you realize to a point when I got to ten thousand, fifteen thousand, and things like that, like. YouTube is a source, but you definitely aren't going to make a living off that unless you're like a really big creator, right? Like yeah. 500, maybe 500,000 subscribers and you have constant weekly, like you're, you're one of the big boys, it just in, in any genre and you're able to do, to do it there. But when you get to that big anyway, you're already, you've already figured out the other ways to get that revenue. So you're just, you're doing damn good if you're at that level. So basically, yeah. uh, you, you know, this is a, a big part of it. When I hit 10,000, I opened up a Patreon account. So I thought that um, this was something special that I can offer and still kind of working into to how to create it, make it unique, but people pay two to $4 a month um, to see early video releases. I do product giveaways when I can. We're doing a group ride and uh, it's just more of a, a community base of people that can get to know each other and, and talk with me more and it, it, be, it really feels more of like a, the family aside yeah. from the subscriber base that that's a very helpful thing uh, that on top of the the ad revenue but you'd be surprised the ad revenue I mean I'm almost at 20,000 subscribers and I'll be honest with you uh, it's under probably a thousand dollars a month you know around there just sure. being open it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't I mean give or take if that's a good month or not yeah. uh, 
that's kind of where it's at. So you really kind of need to hone in and, and figure out creative ways to do that. And for me, it was uh, having a great Patreon community, which is going well, and then uh, trying to jump in and get other sponsors involved in not only uh, having them involved from the aspect of you start to, you start to lose that like free stuff because you you the channel gets big enough to where you realize how many people watch my videos the free stuff aspect is doing more you know not to sound like a jerk here but it's going to be doing more for the brand than it is for me you know a, a sixty dollar tire uh, if I'm talking about it to twenty thousand people it's going to brand the brand's killing it on that one right so you start to <laughs> right. you start to realize pretty quickly what the the channel's worth and you have to, if that's what you want to do. And so that's what the, the negotiating started to become different with when I talk to sponsors, it wasn't just like, Hey, um, free stuff. And then I'm happy to just kiss you and love you all the time. For me, it has to be someone I, I want to bring into the community, become a part of the channel and that I respect and would ride because I'm not going to, you know, I feel like I've got a reputation where I'm not going to be a, just some salesman on the channel, right? Sure. So I, I try to do that. And then with that, well, it's like, hey, like I need to make a living here too. I'm going full time. You know, that became part of my pitch is like travel budget, um, things like that to where it takes off of my overhead. And uh, right now I'm able to do that with a few sponsors. And uh, I guess that's a starting point for me. This is still pretty new. The sponsors have only been around for about six months-ish so I'm just kind of going into that new uncharted territory. So it's yeah. interesting to be talking to you about this for the first time, because I haven't really kind of like organized my thoughts around it, but I'm kind of like sure. figuring out as we talk, I guess. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the brands, <clears throat> it's kind of like uh, they, they had a heyday there where they must've just been crushing it before everybody figured out what to really do with it. You yeah. Know? It like, yeah, we can give this guy, you know, some stuff. And I, yeah. I would imagine it, you know, I've always been, you know, I've never really been like, I've never worked for like a manufacturer or, or that side of things. I've always been in the retail side or now I'm, a, you know, a service provider doing marketing from that standpoint. But as a brand or a company out there, you know, to have that direct access to you can, your consumer mm -hmm. for a remarkably lower ad budget than what it yeah. would take to do a magazine print ad or you know anything like that it's really kind of a gold mine yeah for a lot of companies yeah it's interesting you'd be surprised how many brands and people that are still in there i mean it's an old school train of thought they don't a lot of people just if you're not in the this media outlet and not in youtube and not really tuned in on the digital stuff it looks it sounds crazy i don't know what you're talking about you know we we do this we advertise on pink bike in the magazines Th that time is is kind of gone away or if not on its way out so it's interesting when you see YouTubers now, they still are, we're almost, it, it, it's almost like you're trained. Free stuff is good, take it, you know? Like, yeah, everybody, it's almost like, yeah. Oh my God, I, I worked for 80 hours this week. Give me a free shirt and I'll talk about it on, on TV. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's such a weird, I think right now is, a, is kind of a turning point for all that stuff where people are kind of like, you know, acclimating more to like give, give YouTubers and seeing what the outcome is. That's why when I have my sponsors, I always want to make sure like I'm in the process of right now with IT, I want a trackable link because I know I see in the comments how many bikes I'm selling for the brand. I'm riding them and I want them to appreciate and understand sure. because not only did the president understand, he, he understands he's on board. He's, he's, he brought me in, but he has a boss. He has the owner of the company sure. and I want him to have the tools to show them what I'm doing. It's yeah, almost interesting. Cause yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm so ingrained. That's why I as a marketing manager. That's how I used to think. Yeah. You show me, I'll show them. And then, you know, like, it's kind of like you have to prove what you're doing with their money. So I'm trying to be like, help him show them what he's doing with the money. Cause yeah, he's a yeah, busy no, guy. I mean, that's a remarkable advantage though, that you have that probably most of, you know, the other channels and people coming into it kind of had to learn a lot of those things mm -hmm. as they come. Most of them probably weren't coming from any kind of marketing um, background like that. It's, it's such a different world in that sense. Like, you know, when I was playing, you know, kind of coming up through the drum playing world, that was like the coup de gras, man, was to get like sponsorships, you know, like I got mm -hmm. three symbols, you yeah. know, like you were just so stoked. And when I finally got to that point where I got some gear, very rarely anything for free in the, in the music, you got to be yeah. huge. 
But back then it was like, you were either in a big band or you were a pro athlete or, you know, to get any kind of sponsorship. And now it's like, there are YouTube drummers that have never played on a record in their life and never will that get everything for free, including monetizing their channel from these, you know, from these yeah. companies. And I'm out there making records on tour and I, I'm not getting anything, <laughs> let alone getting paid to play these cymbals or those, you know, drumsticks yep. or whatever. It's, it's, it's crazy how much, you know, there's yeah. bike channels that I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's like, okay, this guy is an amateur racer, but through sponsorships of his channel, he's making way more than most professional riders and racers are making. It's, yeah. it's a real crazy twist in, the, in that world. Yeah, it's interesting too. Now uh, YouTube is come becoming such a mainstream thing. Recently, a lot of the pros have picked up channels. Like I feel like their sponsors kind of coerce them into to yeah. doing this thing. So they'll sign up and they're like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I guess I'm here. And it's just like, you might as well have just said, you don't want to be here. Yeah. And your channel and your brands, your sponsors making you do this and you're on contract. So let's just get this over with. No, thank you. You know, like, and I get it. Like that's no fault to them, but sure. they're trying at least a lot of yeah, people, a yeah. lot of, a lot of people are a lot of pros. I mean, there's this kind of, it still is and skateboarding too. There's this animosity towards like that, the lack of understanding between I'm pro, I deserve more money versus almost someone that's a content creator putting in, you know, 50 hours a week, creating videos that people are enjoying watching. I feel like, dude, all you have to do is look how many people like that part of it too there's room for everybody. It's yeah. just, it's just this, like, and I grew up with it too. I, I'm in my early forties. Like I, I been skateboarding. I'd probably be that dude too, where it's like, dude, I'm out here killing myself all week long. <laughs> You're taking my budget. <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, yeah. this is a different world, you know? And I feel like the young kids and the teenagers and the people that are growing up with this, it's an automatic, right? They get it. I grew up when internet was invented, you know? What I mean? right. So yeah. this was a big transition and uh, keeping an open mind to be able to even for us to be talking about this stuff in an in a open-minded way. Like, you know, like I always try to get off on a tangent here, but not become that old guy that can't yeah, I'm, I'm keep with, up yeah. with stuff. You know, it's hard because you get stuck in your ways, but it's like, just because I'm used to it doesn't make it right. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's tough to fight that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I'm trying to stay, yeah, to stay young and uh, you know, and what's watching you again going going back to kind of what got me into it, watching your videos, it's kind of what inspired me to go a different route with mountain biking and get you know a, a, a large travel. You know, I never really like did crazy downhill stuff, although I do. It, it's so much different now because I was racing like in my early thirties, mm -hmm. and I would do some of those like I would cruise down Rocket or something like that on my hard. Oh yeah race That's crazy <laughs> and i know i was going faster than i'm going today on a full suspension like basically what back then would have been a full-on downhill bike mm -hmm. and it's just like my mindset of like i can't get hurt i can't get hurt yeah a little different for me i break a wrist or something it, it's a big deal in the, yeah. in the band world, you know? So oh, that's yeah. in my mind as I'm like, I got to be careful. I can't. Yeah. And a lot of respect for you for, for riding those trails with those bikes. I mean, it's funny. We always talk about now is such a great time for mountain biking. If you get, if you get any kind of full suspension bike, you're in good hands. The technology is so, so amazing. Yeah. So like for you to be riding those trails back then and this bike, that's just kind of like probably rattling, like, you know, <laughs> And the, and the geometries are all up front. Like oh, it's, it's crazy. gotta be. Oh, one other thing I did want to ask you about on the sponsors and stuff. Something interesting that I saw you doing is involving these hotel. Uh, yeah. These hotels in your channel. How did all that kind of come about? Just, it's so funny. Uh, it goes right back to me figuring out uh, ways to cut my overhead and mm -hmm. basically me reaching out. I, I would take like, I'll start back up. So I have in Southern California, I have destinations that I feel like are drivable within reason to stay for a few days and, and create a series out of. So uh, I wrote down, it is like Sedona, Utah, um, Santa Cruz, uh, Central Coast, San Luis Obispo area, and kind of starting with those. So I would like to see myself creating a series and then what I've been trying to do is reach out to some of the hotels I feel like that would be receptive and have good marketing and under, may understand that. So 
I basically would just cold call or email <laughs> with, with, with a pitch, right? Like, yeah. and, and hoping that the person on the other end would receive that and understand and, and be in tune with how this is a, a positive thing. Yeah. And I was lucky enough, surprisingly, to get quite a bit of people in hotels that were responding. And so what I've tried to do, and you know, even here at, at Big Bear, there's, a, there's three bike parks here up in uh, the mountain, Sky Park, Snow Valley now, and uh, Snow Summit. So working with them, and this is where the thing comes in where it's like, I don't, I, I say like free stuff. Uh, blah. I, I'm not offering, I'm not wanting any payment from these, these places. Like yeah. the overhead on staying in lodging is so huge that the pay, that's payment enough, right? So yeah. that's my pitch is like, you know, if the room is not available and it's just sitting there, I'm able to travel on weekdays, creating a video series. Here are my numbers. I give you the stats and I give an example of what I try to do and feature them. I'm not going to just give them a shout out. So that was me explain. This is me explaining to them what they're going to benefit from. And then I would go and, uh, or, you know, I'm going to Sedona in, in a week and a half again, based off of this. And uh, my, my objective is to create relationships with them so that the next time I go, they like what they saw yeah. and they know that this is going to be helpful to their brand and business. And that's, what's basically happening. So the, when I started to do the sponsors last year, this is one of those things I started to put time into too. It's amazing how much you can, when you're not concentrated on a day job and worried about another <laughs> brand and you worry about your own, you can kind of like dial in and put priorities on stuff like this and, it, and it's coming to fruition now. So yeah, I've got some really good, cool relationships with not just like, um, I, I want to say not just motels, but like really pot, like beautiful places that yeah, I, I feel cool. honored. Yeah. I feel that flattered to even have them here. Looks insane. Oh yeah, that Red Agave, and I'm going to uh, the Real Sedona Inn next time too. Another great place I can bring my dog. It has a, you know, a dog park there. So, the the cool thing about that is that I'm still able to talk about these these establishments because I feel like they're relatable to riders that are going to go to the area that don't know where to go. Right? Like, yeah, Red Agave is. They're all family friendly places. They're all places that are close to the trails and you know. A lot of the places are right in the center from where you want to be. There's a bike shop there. There's great food. The trails are rideable from the front door a lot of times. So it was like kind of a no brainer to feature these trails and it fit right into the, the, the kind of brain of where I'm like, I'm not going to support any, I'm not doing the best Western, you know, I'm going to do <laughs> right, right. local businesses that are down yeah, for mountain like bikers. Boutique. Cool yeah. Boutique hotels. Exactly. Yeah. It makes, man, it just makes so much sense. It's, you know, I, I I'm, you, you were lucky with the hotels because it would have been real easy to get somebody who was like, what's YouTube, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, and I'm cold, cold emailing. I, I, would, I would have a list of so many and, you know, maybe 20 and then three would get back. But those three are all you really need to establish a, a relationship and, and kind of get in, the, get in that door. And those three just happen to be beautiful places because I didn't, because I made sure to choose places that I would want to stay at. So it worked out like I didn't, I kind of expect that, right? Like when you, when you don't have an in, you know, it's part of how business works, right? Like it's who you know. So it's a lot harder to do from a standpoint of not having that introduction. So I think I was just happy to get that. I think it, it, it's, it, it, it's, there's such an opportunity for small businesses, you know, cause a lot of my listeners are a lot of music school owners, but also, you know, I have friends that own skate shops or a yoga studio and these different things. And people get really stuck in, you know, advertising and marketing the way it used to be, you know? Yeah. Whereas, you know, who, whoever you got in touch with at, at that place in Sedona, like that, that is a gold mine move on their part, you mm -hmm. know? It, and it just, there's so many opportunities for small businesses. They got to really think outside the box, you know, of ways of increasing their business, you know? Yeah. There, there's so yeah. many, you know, like that type of relationship building and just ways of, promoting like that there's there's so much going on out there what um what do you think the future is of the channel i'm just trying to figure that out right now actually <laughs> I, I, it's not like something i need to figure out yeah. what i would love to do here here's the worst case scenario the worst case scenario is that um i do this for another year two years full time and uh i get like a nine to five because the channel isn't able to pay or for my lifestyle. That's the worst case. And then I look back on it and say, wow, you were mountain biking for a living and traveling, uh, doing what you wanted, you know, and for that period yeah. of time. And 
if anything, I feel like having this channel might introduce me some opportunities in my future as well. Maybe in the mountain yep. bike industry, something right. like that, right? Uh, the best case scenario is I keep this going and I'm able to maintain this and grow the channel, which is what I'm tra on track to do right now. And to be able to make a living where um, I don't have to have that, that I can have a stability, I guess you could say, in what I'm doing. Even though, you know, coming from a freelance and contractor reminds me the last couple of years, it's hard to stay in that yeah, space. Yeah. You have, a, you're, as a freelancer, you're always the first one to get let go or the, when the budget gets cut. So it's hard to be that person anyway and feel stable. But if I could be in charge of my own yes. bills and my own channel and feel that stability, I feel like that would be a goal instead of just like, we'll see what happens in six, six months. Yeah. I, I feel like as far as where I think the channel could go, I think what I'd like to do is uh, with my traveling, is this something I wanted to do from the beginning, but I just feel like I wasn't there yet, Was would be to go back to some of the places that I'm revisiting and focus not just on the ride, but on the areas around, you know, like a good place to go and get a beer, uh, yeah. great food places. Not that I'm going to be like a, you know, a travel channel, but maybe a mountain bike specific niche or an outdoors person's options where if you like you're in the outdoors industry and you, I know the things you probably like, these might be the places that you want to go, you know, you don't have to look up on Yelp every five minutes because look at this pizza. <laughs> I don't know. Little right. things like that, right? Not basing the channel around it, but adding in little things here and there to kind of spice things up and make things more interesting because I just don't want to ever get lost in recreating the same video over and over again. Yeah. A lot of mountain bikers kind of get stuck in that. We've, we're at this trail again for the fifth time. It's the same video as you were before, but if you are here for the fifth time, what is different this time you're here? What are we work? What are we looking at? So for me, if I try to do something on a trail that I've been there before, let's focus on a feature. Let's talk about something on the trail that is universal, not just for local riders, but maybe for you at home that live in Utah. When you hit a rock garden like this, here's how I think about it. You know, something, yeah. something I'm trying to grow out of just the the California West Coast and broaden into more of like a, if you don't know these trails, stick around anyway, because the trail, because this video might be interesting for you, you know? Yeah. I don't know what that looks like specifically, but sure. that's kind of where uh, I'm looking, you know? Awesome. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was a really interesting chat and uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, where can people go to find you and uh, the Outsider MTB is my Instagram. The, I have the YouTube, obviously, just type in the Outsider MTB, and that's where you'll find me. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Highly recommend if you're, I, I would say, even if you're not a mountain biker right now, if you're listening to this, go over to what would be a great video from your channel for somebody to watch? Uh, if you're from Southern California, just look up uh, beginner beginner bike rides or something like that. That'll get you started on the trails. But as far as just jumping into the channel, just just click watch. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, thanks so much for having me too. This was great. And I look forward to seeing you this week, man. Yeah, we'll see you uh, in a couple days for a little group ride. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'm, I'm going to try to record a little intro for the for the interview out there on the, uh, on the trail. I'll bring all my uh, cameras and uh, maybe I'll bring the drone. Nice. Cool. cool that stuff and throw that your way and you can clip it in and i just want a little <laughs> video credit you know you, you got it danny all right thanks tony we'll talk to you soon brother thanks danny bye all right i hope you enjoyed that interview with tony i know i did i hope we didn't bike geek out too much for you guys um one of the takeaways that i really enjoyed about that story with tony is how he was able to kind of utilize more of his marketing background from working in kind of the corporate skateboard world you know he didn't leave the skateboard world altogether but he was in the corporate side of things kind of the same way that i went from music to working for guitar center and working on the corporate side of guitar center to then being self-employed and I think that it was a real advantage for him in his YouTube growth to be able to apply a little bit of that marketing background and marketing prowess, right, to allow him to maybe um, advance with those sponsors and things like that quicker than many other YouTubers were. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Hey, if you're interested in using Active Campaign to grow your business, I've run pretty much my whole business through Active Campaign, CRM, email marketing. It does a ton of great stuff. 
all my forms on my website, everything like that I do through Active Campaign. I build landing pages with it. I really love the program and also I really love the service. So if you're interested in just kind of learning what that is, go over to punkrockbusinessschool.com. Scroll down to the bottom there. I have a six video series. It just kind of shows you the basics of how it all works. And then I have a cool offer in there for you where I'll do a 60 minute strategy call with you just to kind of help you outline. Here's how I would use Active Campaign in your business to help you automate your marketing get more sales, make more profit, and have a little bit more time to enjoy it. Okay, we'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks so much.